0: Former Wallaby stand sport rugby commentator Morgan Turanui joins me all the way from France. G'day Morgan, appreciate your time.
1: I uh, always can make some time for you. As good as Paris is, I'm, I'm always happy to talk <laughs> rugby.
0: How uh, have, have you spent your time in Paris? I mean, uh, I imagine it would have been quite an agonising uh, sort of week for the Wallabies, but for, uh, for commentators and past players, I imagine you would have got a bit of time to see the sights.
1: Oh, there's a bit going on. They're still doing our shows and there's always rugby on. Of course, as recently as yeah. um, last few hours ago, um, New Zealand too good for Uruguay. So, and there's all the manipulations around the pool games. Ireland play Scotland, South Africa have to watch on. They're not sure which team will go through. They think they're safe. They're not sure they're safe. There's always more rugby at a Rugby World Cup.
0: <laughs> it must have been a tough week for the Wallabies. I mean, they... It looks like they're going home. They need a miracle with uh, with Portugal to beat Fiji in that, that last game of the group stage. So, what, well, they're training, they're still there, and they're really hoping and, and praying that, uh, that there's a huge upset on, on Monday morning our time.
1: Yeah, that's certainly the case. They stuck to their original plan, which was three days off, whether they were going to make the quarterfinals and off three days off. Then they've had three days of training leading into the weekend. And, of course, they'll be huddled around the TV screen to find out whether they're finding a plane ride home. Uh, Because even finding a a, a seat on a plane won't be easy for the big squad. They'll be going home in dribs and drabs and things like that because, of course, that wasn't the original plan. And as you say, fully expect Fiji to deservedly uh, beat Portugal and progress to the quarterfinals. The Wallabies are more, it's a a week about sort of thinking about what might have been than being hopeful of making it. uh, Definitely didn't control their own destiny.
0: I think for a lot of casual sports fans, they would have been hoping that this would have been the time that the tournament was coming alive with an Australian involvement. The domestic footy codes have wound up in the AFL and the NRL. Uh, and instead, it feels like the, the tournament is over for the, the Wallabies already. Why has it been such an underwhelming campaign? How do you your best sort of put it into a nutshell for us, Morgan?
1: Well, I suppose that's the key. It's 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 not in a nutshell. It's There's not one silver bullet you can go, that's why. Eddie Jones picked a young squad he left some senior players at home he rolled the dice and that didn't come off and also everything that comes along with that is is the way we develop our players into wallabies you know the 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 best example is our number 10 we've got a great little young group of 10s, 24 and under. We've got two fine number 10s over 30 in Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley. And we have nothing that we've developed in between. And that's why at the moment, there's been this huge push for systemic change within the game at both state and national level, the way they interact. It's the right thing to do. It's what every independent reviewer said for the last 20 years. And now finally, I think the Wallabies not making out of the pool stage of the World Cup with the catalyst for that change.
0: What does that change look like in your mind?
1: Well, I think it's efficiency across the board in terms of spending. Um, you know, we've got the five super teams and the provinces and, and the state uh, rugby that they run plus Rugby Australia itself. So less overlap and, and doubling of roles and spend expenditure, but also uh, greater alignment in the way that we we. Uh, develop our players but also we manage our players remembering that say you're a new south wales waratahs player in a wallaby for six months you're with the waratahs and six months you're with the wallabies and at times those programs have been very different Uh, i think every every one of the last four wallabies coaches has come in and said in july the the players aren't fit enough Uh, that should be the last time we ever hear that not that we should have anyway but now they'll be on one program all the way through that 12 months of the year as an athlete um more control about where players play will be important so that there's a spread and not warehousing of talent. Um, all those sort of things, appointment of coaches and strength and conditioning coaches so are the best. Coaches aren't, aren't sort of churned and burned right through the, through the program in Australia and ended up overseas to do well. So all those lots of little things, hopefully, will help build a better Wallaby team.
0: Just to pick up on a couple of those issues. So Super Rugby, I know that there's a broadcast deal in place, so nothing's going to, to change in the, in the short term. But mm-hmm. can we sustain five teams, and, and if not, what's what's the ideal number, do you think, for producing the, the best national team that we can?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's as, as you mentioned, it's a hypothetical. So, look, the easiest way to fix the Wallabies is to have super, less Super Rugby teams and less teams pushing into that Wallaby team right at the top, and perhaps having a, a broader third tier, say. Um, the reality is we have the talent for five teams. It's just that 120 of them are playing overseas. So that's the key. If we can hold on to younger players longer and keep them within rugby, even if we do continue to lose some to the league, because it's a wonderful product, the NRL, as well. Um, it, it's the drain overseas that hurts us just as much. So if, if we can hold on to that talent, spend some time developing that talent, making sure there's a clear pathway here to high-quality rugby, then there is enough for five teams. The reason that our five teams struggle now is that we lose players to league, yes, who played both coming through, but we lose so many players overseas, that, and lots of them now are at 24, 25, as opposed to an, an older age when perhaps I was coming through. So that's probably the big key, um, and, and that's the way they're going to have to do that. That's the way that fixes it, because we are committed to five teams.
0: Uh, we hear it all the time I, I remember chatting to, to Sonny Bell last year and, and he said a, a similar thing on this program that you compare our school system compared to New Zealand and very much here it's uh, rugby's looked at as a private schoolboys' game whereas in uh, New Zealand it, it feels like it's very much in the public school system do we need to try and break down some of that here in Australia and try and get more of the 15 man game into public schools.
1: Yeah, 100%. I'm lucky enough with the kids playing at the moment. I see where lots of talent is. There's lots of public school kids playing for their clubs. Our clubs do a great job. Uh, the way we can double up and, and really um, hold on to those kids is to get it in the public school system. you got to remember in New Zealand, whether if you're a three-year-old boy or a girl or you're a 90-year-old grandmother or grandmother, father, you're obsessed with the All Blacks. Rugby's not like that in Australia. So the reason it's so strong in, say, public schools in New Zealand is because of that more than anything. Um, Rugby Australia, off the back of COVID and with finance, it's hard to push into public schools, but it simply must be done. That's why the private equity deal was entertained. That's why I think they'll take some of their own debt instead of having someone else control their debt and having someone else have to service that debt and cost Australia. So that would be the way that you, you one feed more players into the game, but also push more players into five super teams and create more fans and administrators and coaches and volunteers. So that's definitely a key part. I would hope of what's to come for rugby in Australia.
0: Former Wallaby and Stan sport rugby commentator, Morgan Turunuri with us on summer grandstand across the country on ABC radio and ABC sport. Um, You mentioned Eddie Jones off the top, picked a a young squad to, to go over to France. There's obviously a lot of media focus on him back here. How much responsibility falls at the feet of the senior coach, do you think?
1: Well, I suppose uh, in terms of the short term, the way he's run sort of team Wallaby environment this year, all of it, as he says every time that he's responsible for it. Um, mate, he's, he's a fine coach, an experienced coach with 25 years of international experience almost these days. Um, so it's not his capability that's in question. He, he, he I think he saw that they weren't going to win the World Cup or maybe go as deep as he would have liked with the status quo and he, and he sort of rolled the dice and, and risked it with, with some young players. And yes, it's it's 100% backfired. Um, from that, hopefully those players will build experience and he'll have the job of maybe getting rid of some of the scars from the, these performances at this World Cup. So uh, I suppose he's, he's, he's a, as good a coach as we could possibly have and he's made some mistakes in this Wallabies uh, World Cup campaign.
0: Do you expect him to stay on?
1: Uh, well, if he wants to, I'm, I'm sure it's his. Um, I suppose that'll be part of some sort of review. And it's also the plan that he presents to, say, Phil War and the, and the rugby committee. Like, wh- wh- Where do you see the Wallaby team going, Eddie? Wh- why have you done this? And, and what's the next step in building us into, you know, it's not a four-year cycle. It's a two-year cycle with the Lions series so important in two years. I fully expect him to be there, especially if he wants to be. Um, and I'm really interested in what the plan is for him to make the Wallabies win again.
0: Uh, so home World Cup, what, two years after that in 2027 back here in Australia. And it feels like the Wallabies Morgan occupy a very different space in the hearts and minds of just casual sports fans in Australia than they did the last time we hosted a World Cup, which is all of a sudden, you know, 20 years ago now. Do you, do you expect that Australian rugby can get some of that back over the, the next four years, despite the fact that the team hasn't performed well here?
1: Yeah, I do. Actually, Funny enough, the, the, all of my, lots of my mates sort of grew up coming to the the footy stadium in the early 2000s, when you'd get 30 something, 40 thousand there on a Saturday night, and when the Wallabies play, or when the Wallabies are winning, or this time when the Wallabies are losing, they still have that emotional attachment, um, and and I think even the the reaction to the. The failure of the Wallabies to get out of the pool stages is not encouraging, but it shows that there's still an emotional attachment to our national teams. We saw it with the Matildas. And I think especially if the Wallabies can do well against the Lions, that momentum can, can start pretty quickly. The um, Australians love to support their national teams, love World Cups on home soil. There'll be a wonderful amount of volunteers making it a great experience for people. I fully expect it to be a huge event, and the Wallabies need to do their part and, and bounce back really quickly.
0: Uh, there's still plenty of rugby to be played over in uh, in France, obviously, as the uh, the quarterfinal stage begins next week. Uh, who wins it from who's, uh, from who's remaining? Morgan?
1: Oh, it's, it, you know what? It's, it, I've changed my mind about five times between the, the big four <laughs> teams. France and New Zealand and, and South Africa and Ireland will all meet each other in the quarterfinals. We expect next week uh, Scotland have to um, try and find a way to get over Ireland this weekend, which makes... An intriguing into the pool stages I've warmed to South Africa uh, but then Ireland is too good for them in the pool stages so maybe I'm an idiot I've warmed to South Africa because they can play different types of rugby it's a it's, it's a way of playing a power game that some teams just can't cope with and in a tight match in a World Cup final if they even get that far they might be the ones that can go back to back
0: and what chance Portugal against uh, Fiji on on Monday morning?
1: Yeah, it's, look, I feel guilty for even hoping for it because, <laughs> I, I, look, Fiji deserved to make the quarterfinals. We love Fiji. It would be such a wonderful thing for Fijian rugby. And the, the big thing is Australia have been a big part of it, putting the Drury into NRC, uh, putting the Drury into Super Rugby, uh, giving huge amount of support to the islands, but especially Fijian rugby program. Um, so we've always been the architects of our own demise. But Look, they're a sneaky chance. Uh, I think Fiji had their bad game against Georgia. I fully expect them to win, but Portugal are a good side. Wales only beat them 28 points to eight, and then ter- and Wales turned around and flogged the Wallabies. So they're a good side, Portugal, but it's not an upset. I, don- I don't think I can yeah. even cheer for it.
0: Yeah, that's what the Wallabies need. They need a Portugal win over Fiji, a huge upset if they uh, are to stick around at the World Cup. Uh, Morgan, always uh, appreciate your insights. Thanks for uh, taking a moment to chat with us. Enjoy the remainder of the World Cup, and safe travels back home. <laughs>
1: Pleasure, Corbin. Thanks, Mike.